Hey everyone, and welcome back. I hope you've had a stellar week and your Earth Month is off to a great start. Today we are going to talk about sustainability shaming. This might get a tad heated as I'll be heavily leaning into my own opinions on this episode, but I will provide anecdotes, data, and action steps associated with this topic. There is no real right way to encourage individuals to get involved in sustainability, but I do feel pretty strongly about this approach. So sit back, relax, and enjoy me talking about how sustainability shaming sucks. When it comes to being sustainable, it is so easy to let perfection be the enemy of good. And it's natural for us to push ourselves and others to be better, sustainable humans. However, this pushing can lead to internalized guilt and outright shaming others who don't meet your standard of what sustainable is. And guilting people into being sustainable is, ironically, not sustainable. And this is due to a number of different reasons, but the main one being psychological. As we discussed in episode two, individuals play an important role in the grand scheme of sustainability, but the majority of our advocacy efforts should be directed towards government entities and corporations. This this hyperfixation of individual responsibility suggests that we all have to live perfectly sustainable lives or else the world will just erupt into global warming flames. And yes, individual actions are meaningful and should be encouraged, but what I really want to emphasize here is that the concept of perfection and guilting are inherently counteractive in our collective mission towards sustainability. Research funded by Perkbach Insights Perk box, apologies, shows that 89% of adults feel what is called green guilt, and 47% feel judged by others for not acting sustainably enough. But individuals do have the capacity to engage in sustainability in a multitude of ways, ranging from remembering to turn off your lights, to avoiding fast fashion, to advocating for policy change, Each and every effort is impactful in its own way and shouldn't be shamed for being quote-unquote lesser than. Our society has created an inherently imbalanced world with each individual experiencing different challenges that either give or restrict the opportunity for them to engage in different sustainable practices. For example, sustainable fashion tends to be expensive, not usually size-inclusive, And this creates a financial and physical barrier for people. Millions of people live in food deserts, which prevents them from buying local and organic food. People of color tend to be disproportionately impacted by environmental and social sustainability issues, but don't have the same access or representation as white people in creating change. And these are only some of the very common yet very complex barriers that people face and 
It is also primarily from an American point of view of the global north. Humanitarian sustainability in the global south is an absolute monster of an issue that we'll touch on in another episode. But all of these barriers are valid and why sustainability shaming is stupid. Guilting people into being sustainable is not effective, especially in the long term. I've personally seen it time and time again, and I've even been guilty of shaming people for not being as sustainable as I think they should be. And it it took years of maturing to fully understand why this approach is problematic. It's divisive and demoralizing, and it doesn't encourage long-lasting commitment to the sustainability practices being pushed. Why, why would someone spend their time, energy, and effort on something that they weren't passionate about or hadn't chosen to pursue on their own? They wouldn't. <laughs> and if someone is forced to do something out of guilt, they will inevitably come to resent that thing. And in this case, it would be sustainability. But as Natalie Isaacs points out in her Every Woman's Guide to Saving the Planet, which is a great read, I highly recommend. (laughs) Individual effort is extremely empowering to oneself and to those around them. And a collection of efforts does in fact make a tangible change. What's really critical though, is that individuals start making sustainable choices on their own accord in order for them to feel connected to the outcome and develop a sense of community with those also engaging in sustainable thinking. This internal commitment action and reward cycle is a system that engages and encourages individuals to stay dedicated to the sustainability cause and up their ante with each iteration. Shaming or guilting someone into doing something that you deem as sustainable without establishing a personal connection and understanding between the mission and the individual disrupts the cycle and therefore it does not continue when not monitored. And this is what I mean when I say that sustainability shaming is not sustainable. It's not scalable. It doesn't stick. If anything, it counteracts the efforts others put in because just as a whole group of individuals committed to sustainability is powerful, so are groups that are resentful or apathetic to sustainability. Short gains do not equal long-term success. Additionally, Everyone's advocacy can look different when it comes to sustainability, and there is no one right solution that fits everyone and their lifestyle. Like I mentioned before, there are a number of factors that might prevent someone from engaging in the same type of sustainability that someone else does. And it's critical for you to remember that you have your own barriers as well. And what's important is the drive and dedication to grow and adapt with the barriers as you pursue your sustainability journey. Eco-anxiety and green gill are very, very real things, and they're extremely difficult to avoid encountering at least once along your sustainability path. This is because of what we discussed earlier. You know, like, individual effort seems trivial and unimpactful, and yet, with every decision you make, As an individual, you are also indirectly making dozens of decisions that impact the planet, which feels overwhelming and so on and so forth. Like, it shouldn't feel like you have the weight of the world on your shoulders when you're choosing what tomato you want in the supermarket, but it can sometimes feel like that because 
by choosing one tomato over another. You're choosing the labor that is associated with it. You're choosing the pesticides that may or may not have been utilized with it. You're choosing the, what is it called? The supply chain that is associated with it. So there's a lot that goes into one decision and that can feel extraordinarily overwhelming. But then also at the same time, it's a tomato. Does it really make that much of a difference? Who's to say? And that's where the green guilt and eco-anxiety comes in. But no matter what decision you make, there will almost always be something that isn't perfect or doesn't 100% align with sustainable efforts. But what does matter is that you made a decision that was the most sustainable you could be in your situation. For example, it's not always realistic to buy from a 100% sustainable clothing brand, but if you have the financial means to, you can invest in the basics like jeans and t-shirts and then allow yourself the space to purchase from more accessible clothing brands that fit your size and style. The caveat here, however, is that you choose the most sustainable brand you can among these other options. As Gordon Renouf, Renouf, sorry, <laughs> the creator of the app Good On You that works to make purchasing from more sustainable companies easier, said, the perfect is the enemy of the good. Sometimes you can't avoid buying from a less sustainable brand, but there are things that you can do, like keep that product longer, make sure you dispose of it well, etc. You are not going to be a perfect consumer because we live in a complex world, but understanding more about what is going on and what your choices are is always a good thing. So again, do what is right and accessible for you. With sustainability, of course, being a core guiding principle for the decisions you make. If you can't purchase your groceries directly at a farmer's market, try the buy local section of your grocery store. If you're leaving the house, grab your reusable water bottle and use that instead of purchasing single-use water bottles while you're out and about. I personally have like <laughs> an, an uncomfortable number of water bottles that are reusable that just sit in my fridge because I have an emotional attachment to them. Definitely recommend establishing at least one emotional attachment with a water bottle. My personal three favorites are my dinosaur sippy cup and my shark sippy cup and then my hydro flask. I love them a lot. But anyway, back to it. Um, you can invest in reusable or low-waste toiletries like Quip or Bite. Um, you can bring your own utensils if you know that you're going to eat out a food truck or request that your to-go order doesn't include the single-use utensils. You can try swapping a meat entree with a protein-rich vegetarian option once a week or even once a day. You can go thrifting or have a clothing swap with friends if you have the time and the resources to do so. You can use public transit or bike once a week to get to work instead of driving. You can share educational materials from people of color creators with your circle to promote the education and diversity of sustainability. There's a lot. Lots of little switches that you can make. And being sustainable is not completely inaccessible. But it also isn't easy in the society we live in. This is why sustainability shaming sucks and 
doesn't even make sense and why you need to be a resource to others and your own biggest cheerleader. Which leads me to my last point or points. How to be a resource to others on their sustainability journey and ways to self-affirm your own progress. Like I said, you need to be your own cheerleader and remind yourself that no one is perfect in their sustainability, despite what you may see on social media or what others may tell you. Things that have personally helped me feel secure in my sustainability journey have been, one, accepting imperfection. I have and will inevitably make mistakes in my decision-making because I'm human. Do I feel bad about the mistake immediately after I make it? Yes. Do I take note and use that experience to make better, more informed decisions in the future? Also yes. I do not let my mistakes, plural, deter me from my overall mission of being a better, more sustainable human. I let it shape me and grow my decision-making abilities. Two, not comparing. I know that I will never be the most or the least sustainable person in the world, so what good is it to put unnecessary pressure and guilt on myself for not being like the sustainability influencer I follow on Instagram? What good is it for me to become complacent with my actions because I'm quote-unquote further along in my sustainability journey than this other person I'm comparing myself to? What matters is that you feel good about what you're doing and that you continue to challenge yourself in healthy ways to be more sustainable. Like, let's say I threw out three bags of trash last week. Okay, let's see if I can reduce my waste this week to only need to throw out two bags. Setting realistic goals for yourself to gradually change your lifestyle is setting yourself up for success long term. Three, listening and learning. Similar to my second point, I will never be the most or least educated about sustainability or products or industries or whatever it may be. I utilize my resources around me to grow as a person and to educate my decision-making regarding sustainability. And then four, celebrate your successes. Like I said, becoming a sustainable person in today's society can be tough and you deserve to celebrate yourself as you continue on your sustainability journey. Every change you make is contributing to that dust storm that I've mentioned in every episode. What you are doing is good. So yeah, those are the four points that I abide to for myself. And this is what we can do to be good resources to others. One, don't sustainability shame. Duh. I feel like this one speaks for itself. If it doesn't, restart the episode. Two, listen and inform. Similar to listening and learning, this is an opportunity to educate others in an area that you might be more well-versed in that can inform their sustainability decisions. Additionally, it's a great opportunity for us to learn about the different barriers that people experience so we can actively work to make being sustainable a more inclusive and accessible action. Three, support. If your friends are interested in being more sustainable, act as a catalyst for them on their journey. Help them sort their recyclables. Take them to your local farmer's market. Be there for them when they inevitably get frustrated with this change process. All the good stuff. And four, celebrate. 
just as you would yourself, celebrate other successes on their journey. Whether that be a quick good job text to a friend, a pat on the back for your partner, or a thumbs up on a mutual's post on social media detailing their journey. We can all do this. Together. And I'll stop there. As with every episode, what we covered today is not even close to exhaustive of the whole topic. There are so many good resources out there that go even more in depth, and I linked all of my sources in the show notes, so I highly recommend checking them out. But with all that we did cover today, I hope you feel more secure in your efforts to be sustainable, empowered to challenge yourself, and supported enough to be a resource to others. And if you have other tips on how to be a good resource to yourself and others, please DM me on Instagram at Urban Tumbleweed Podcast or email me at urbantumbleweedpod at gmail.com. You can also send feedback or ideas for future episodes there as well. But with that, I love you all. Happy Earth Month, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.